face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. And we are live... Once oh, more, once more onto the, <laughs> once more onto the breach, dear friends. Yes, I am recording. Okay. Yes, good. I think. Wait, you're recording. <laughs> Which know, one? Actually. Oh, why don't you check that and then we can? <laughs> yeah, I, I believe I am. Yeah, I see the little thing. All right, ah, I'm sorry. Up. We're having. Yeah, go ahead. As you know, on Starfleet Boy, we uh, provide an audio only broadcast as well <laughs> you're always doing Which unwrapping <laughs> and are you are you unwrapping the thing for this episode or are you gonna wait no, till no, the next for the one? next one no i, oh, okay, I have okay. i just have Riker here standing by oh very good <laughs> so welcome to starfleet boy where we have a casual and informal discussion about star trek and we're focused on star trek the next generation we have been for some time we're in season two uh and we're here at the icarus factor which is uh, an episode uh, that I really, really liked. Um, in fact, it got me all emotional, and I cried during the episode. Oh it was one of the. <laughs> it was one of those episodes. It was definitely a crying. It was definitely a, a tear fest here. You know, I watched Where? these things. For why? Well, why the, did you the cry? Whole, all of it. The wharf thing. The the, the Riker. wharf thing. The Riker and his dad wait, wait, thing. Wait, wait. The tea ceremony? <laughs> the pain. What is it called again? The oh, is this the one? Wait, I'm, see, I've watched episodes. Is this the one with the, with the, with the, with the Klingon tea ceremony with Pulaski? Or is this the one where they, they hit him with the pain sticks? The pain sticks, man. You cried during the pain sticks? No, I cried just like when he's like, when he says thank you. We're jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Okay, do you go rem- ahead. Yeah, do you remember, I, I do remember, do you remember episode. this episode? It's the do- do. Uh, Riker's dad. Yeah, I love this episode. All right. <clears throat> do you want to sum it up or should I? If I sum it up, it'll be like a minute. Well, I want to try to stay within a minute, too. I'll Let me see if I can do a good job of summing it up. Okay. All right, here we go. So uh, basically, uh, the episode uh, follows the Enterprise. At the beginning, we're having a little... There's a glitch in the system and um, even though they feel they can correct it they're on their way to Starbase something or other which Starbase was it I can't remember I think it was 57 or something and so they decide okay well we're gonna stop there anyways let's let them take a look at our systems uh, and uh, then Picard pulls Riker aside and lets him know that there's a ship captain the captain of the USS Ares the Renaissance class starship 
that's uh, losing its captain because he's gonna he's ready to retire, and um, Riker's up for the promotion, and if if he wants it, so Riker has to think about that. And in the meantime, on the starbase, a uh, special attaché uh, from Starfleet arrives, and it's the Federation, rather I should say, and it is Commander Riker's father, Kyle Riker. And we have a episode where we uh, follow Commander Riker's struggle to uh, to try to understand his father, who he hasn't seen in like 15 years. Worf is struggling with uh, being culturally isolated, and the crew is. It's just kind of like a very uh, crew emphasis episode, and it was great. And so, of course, at the end. Riker and his father resolve their differences. Commander Worf uh, has a sadomasochistic ritual uh, given to him by his friends, so he's really happy, and Commander Riker decides not to take the promotion and stay on the Enterprise. That's it. Nutshell. <laughs> very good. I didn't admit it. That was pretty good. That was very good. That was very, very good. All right. All right, well, let's jump right into it. Um... What did you think about Riker's dad? I thought he was amazing. <laughs> I couldn't figure out where I'd seen that actor before. He just seemed really, really familiar. And I looked him up on, on IMDb and I see that he's done like Murder, She Wrote. And, you know, just he's been around on TV. So maybe his face just looks familiar. But I thought he was a fantastic character. He was played, the actor they chose to play him, um, was also fantastic. I really liked all the kind of um, revelations about Commander Riker's youth and, you know, just like learning about his past. And also Dr. Pulaski and Kyle Riker had a little romance at one point. I mean, th- these were all things that I really just was eating up. It was like <laughs> the kind of stuff I really love about dramas and, and, you know, storytelling and stuff like that. And, you know, we don't always need space battles, unlike Galdu Scott, who wants space battles in every episode. But, yeah, I really like the uh, character, and I definitely think they picked uh, the perfect actor to portray Commander Riker's father. I liked, I liked the actor a lot. I thought... I- I think when I was when I first saw it originally, I thought it was Doug McClure. Do you know who Doug McClure mm. is? Yeah, I do actually. From uh, the land before t- um, the 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 land that time forgot and at the Earth's core, and you know he has that 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 chin, you know, and that way of talking, that very um, uh, cheesy B movie actor. Uh, way of, of, of acting and it's not of course it's not Doug McClure although Doug McClure would have been great um, <clears throat> yeah I love that actor uh, I think he did a, he did a great job um, I guess Riker is sort of the alpha male of the I mean when you take Worf away uh, he, he's the, the, the next alpha male in line and uh, his dad is definitely that. And um, I, I, I kind of, I liked the episode. Be- I, even when I saw it originally, way back, whenever, 20 years ago, whatever, I, I liked the fact that Riker was just a real jerk. 
in I know. He was the so episode. mean to his father. Yeah, it's I true. liked that because uh, it, it showed some dimension to him. It showed that he's not... You know, Riker's kind of, you know, he's a bit happy-go-lucky, you know? He's always sort of, you know, it's 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 hard to phase him, you know? He, you don't really... <laughs> Um, so to see him so so angry, I think added, uh, you know, he he really has a lot. He has a real big grudge against his dad, and uh, there's some real baggage there. And uh, I actually think you sort of um, you judge Riker kind of harshly in this episode, and I think that's interesting that they were willing to to portray Riker uh, in in that way. I thought that was that was a bit gutsy. He he, I agree with you. And by the way, the actor's name is Mitchell Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what else is, is? Do you have a list of other things that he's done, just for for the audience? Yeah, here let's go through his filmography real quick. Um, Mitchell Ryan's full filmography. He's he's an actor that has been in 137 roles. Wow. Um, the most recent, and probably I didn't check to see if she died. Yikes. Um, but <laughs> but 2009 is the last uh, film that's listed in his filmography, and that was Strikeout. Um, let's see. He's been on the Drew Carey show, The West Wing. Oh, he's uh, in The West Wing. Wow. He's, cool. voiced, uh, he's voiced Justice League characters. Who is he uh, in Justice ca- League? The High Father. Oh. And then there's, uh, let's see. He was he's in... Got the the Practice, the show The Practice, that was a big, big oh, show. Oh, that was, was with Shatner, right? Yeah, is it? Wasn't uh, Shatner was, on that show? I don't know. Wasn't I that Boston was. Legal? I think you're thinking of Boston Legal. But was Boston on, Legal was a spinoff of The Practice. Was it? Indeed. Mm-hmm. I don't see the Shat on here. Maybe he was a guest star. Yeah, he was like, a guest star, and then it got spun off. He was such a popular guest star that he spun off... His own show with Boston Legal and uh, I mean that makes complete sense. William Shatner would deserves his own show anyways, like no matter over. what it is. So it's like a good thing that that happened. Yeah, uh, he was in Dark Skies. Um, Dark Skies, yes, mm-hmm, I remember mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. show. Okay, he was on Wings. Dr- Judge Dredd apparently was he one of the older? He was. Uh, Var- he was yes. He was the reporter that's killed. Uh, by Judge Dredd's brother. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's a lot of testosterone in that movie, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Stallone, Armando Sante. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I like that movie, actually. Um, I, I, th- I thought he was a... I thought he was great. And w- what do you think about his chemistry with Pulaski? Oh, I thought Can't it was Can't you delightful. see that? Can't you see that? Yeah, the, you can totally see the chemistry. Like, um thought it was good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could. Yeah. And when she starts, uh, it was a shame though. She started telling the story of, of how they got together, and and you know was gonna was gonna reveal why he wouldn't marry her, and Riker just you know kind of screwed it up. And I, you know, what I thought was also interesting about this episode is that normally you see Commander Riker as a pretty confident, mm-hmm. um, you know, reasonable individual, and he was just downright childish in this episode like he was just really rude and like you know unprofessional like and impatient and just very hurt like you and 
Uh, Jonathan uh, Frakes portrayed it so well. And I think we've all kind of had a moment, you know, hopefully one of, you know, I'm sure there's people out there who haven't had contact with their fathers in, you know, you know, umpteen years or, you know, multiple years and, and, and probably harbor similar feelings. So I bet they could relate to this even more. But in my personal experience, like, you know, I, I remember as a teenager, there were times where I disagreed with something my father, you know, imposed or, or wanted me to do. And it would lead to like maybe, you know, a couple days where I didn't want to talk to him or, you know, and that kind of behavior would just kind of like my father would try to like interact with me and I would be like, you know, rude as, as rude and awful and, you know, stuff I would never do now, (laughs) I hope as an adult. Um, but yeah, so watching that performance, uh, you know, also I have to give a lot of credit to Jonathan Frakes for that because it, you know, it takes a lot to, I think, bring those kinds of emotions out and it was done really, really well. Um, you know, for a while, actually, it kind of, it took me a little while to figure out what was what was the grudge he had against him, yeah, and um, and and I I thought about it is is that a failure of the episode and and I thought to myself well maybe not maybe it's it's just uh, it's just the episode is, is is a little more nuanced but the uh, you know when you when you get to the scene where Troy and uh, and Riker's dad, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tyler. Kyle. Kyle. Uh, Kyle Riker. Kyle are are talking. Then you sort of get a little bit more uh, about how he was always competing with his son, and and that's where it sort of dawns on you that uh, what what the experience was like uh, growing up with him, and why Riker would have. Uh, pulled away from him and uh but it, it's you're halfway through the episode by then you're almost near the end because it's pretty much all a precursor to to the, the, the i guess the finale which is that what what, what was that that they what combat so was that it's the height of of uh japanese martial arts i guess that at some point in earth's history uh, jiu-jitsu and other disciplines kind of formed to create ambo-jitsu. Ambo-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very it, disappointed that there were never any action figures in of the Riker in the ambo-jitsu yeah. uh, costume. Very it disappointed. Re- reminiscent of Tron, I thought. The- Actually, you know, well, this is a weird reference, but it reminded me of uh, The Prisoner, uh, Patrick McGowan came up with his own weird Japanese-style combat involving... It, it It looked very much like that, except just add um, uh, those things you jump on. What are those? Oh, Trampolines? Trampolines, yes. You would, you would jump. <laughs> and you would do it in this, like, you know, you were wearing samurai-style armor... And you had like the sticks, but you would jump, and it just seemed like this was referencing that, which I thought was was hilarious. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Anvo Jitsu. We have Phaser. I kind of forgot all these like cool little things. Like um, we had the Phaser Kata. You know, from yeah, the, they, they don't have call a pretty it extensive that. gym. 
<laughs> yeah, th- well, I mean, the holodeck could be anything you want it to be, right? No, but you this know, was but in the gym, though. The uh, Right, right. The, uh, but I imagine the gym can be reconfigured um, any way they like, because I think it's the same gym where Picard um, does his fencing. fencing, yeah, and all these other things. Or it could be, you know, there could be a gym on each deck. I mean, it's a huge freaking ship. Um, one of these days we'll have to, like, actually... Um, discuss the the scope of the enterprise i think that um if you guys are interested i i bet the folks over at trek yards have already done like an extensive discussion about it so um, yeah we'll have to watch we'll have to look and see if they have and and watch that episode but um but anyways the uh the the other thing i thought what i thought interesting about this uh episode is really you you know, you had two different stories, maybe even three stories happening here um, because you had the Riker and his dad story going on. You had the Worf um, anniversary of his Age of Ascension. And then you had um, kind of like a Pulaski side story with Kyle that I thought they spent oh, a lot of right. time on, you know, mm-hmm. like that's true. Um, so I thought that was really well done and just kind of flowed and was executed really well. I think the writers did a great job on this one. Do you have any any background information? Oh, I'm sorry. I was consulting. A diff- I was trying to look about information about the rec deck, the recreational <laughs> deck. And I, I was but, consulting. Have you seen this book? What is that? The USS Enterprise. But that's not the D on the cover. Does no, it cover but it the covers, D? No, uh, it's the... NX01, NCC1701, the A through E, all covered in this book. Hmm. Yeah, this is a rather recent book. And now what when, I like is that it's in the style of the Hayes manuals for the cars. Oh, it, look at in, that. Yeah, you see that? So it's, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I should consult our favorite. Our favorite book, The Companion. The but companion. just talking about that for a second, Wreck Deck, does that mean there's a it's the entire deck has recreational facilities. Like, well, is that what's going my on? My understanding is, like in Star Trek One, uh, I mean that's like a whole deck. Remember? You're right. It actually was like it had like it was huge. It had, like it had rivers and like little streams and like they gathered the entire crew of the Enterprise on the deck to watch the. Was that uh, that was the wreck deck? Remember? That was the- <laughs> I mean, it's a deck that can handle the entire crew. Wow! In one space, it's, so it's that's the auditorium. Cool. Can, it's the you school can throw, gym. Yeah, you could throw a whole party there. Right. Um, I think that's the that's the idea. Wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't realize that the rec deck was uh, was a thing. <laughs> was a whole deck. That's true. We don't really see um, that scale of rec deck on Star Trek The Next Generation as far as I can tell. I think it's budget cuts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they just went to the holodeck and they, they cut the, the rec deck out. And, and they say, well, you have the holodeck, so you don't need a whole deck for recreation. So there's, a, there's an interesting project. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's someone who's created an entire, entirely computer-generated... Um, USS Enterprise D that you can completely walk through all the decks and and like get everything. out. No, I'm not even kidding. It's a real. Can you play Duke Nukem on it? 
Well, I imagine it's in that same kind of vein, you know, like the they use this. Uh, I think it's called the Unreal Engine, but I don't know if that's what these folks are are using. I wish I knew offhand uh, where you could find this, but I'm sure a, a simple Google search will reveal uh, some promising results. Um, anyways, I think that's phenomenal because I'm kind of interested in this whole virtual reality thing. You know, the Oculus Rift, or now the Google, the Google has this new soft soft one that's like a little easier to handle but like as these guys like as these phones are are getting better and better i can see here look it's like jordy's visor oh yeah and so you're supposed to strap this thing on and i imagine one day being able to just like walk through the entire uss enterprise and you know as the graphics get better it might look more and more real how cool would that be yeah how cool, cool would it be if you could meet your friends virtually online on the Enterprise? Like, we could all just decide we're going to hang out on the Enterprise and fly her around or something. Just get on the bridge of the Enterprise. I, I suspect we'd be arguing about which Enterprise to use. Well, right now, as far as I know, this project is only the Enterprise D. But I'm sure if it's successful... <laughs> the A. So, <laughs> I know. We'd all... The I would definitely... Me. I would go to the A as well. Um, and perhaps the original Enterprise. Um, oh, that yeah. might be fun, too. Yeah. Did you see the Did you see the um, Star Trek Destination coverage at all uh, in, in England, in Birmingham? No, I did not. There's a press photo uh, with a bunch of people on... I guess they built a replica of the original series bridge. And, and there's a press photo with a bunch of people, you know luminaries uh adam nimoy and the roddenberries are there and everyone and sitting in the captain's chair is william shatner and sitting at helm are both george takei and walter koenig yeah which is so cool yeah i need to see this picture yeah can you share that picture i think i can hang on a second here let me just go online and not to get off topic but no it's a we need to see that picture we do. Here we go. Star Trek. Star Trek Destination. Uh, England. Birmingham. Gosh. And then we'll... Was Uhura there? No. That was the oh. only... The only cast member I didn't see in the in the picture was, uh, was Uhura. ¿Qué pasó? I don't know. Okay, here's not the photo I saw, but this is a good one of the event and let me see if I can pull this up on our screens here we're gonna go over here like this and present to everyone oh look at that holy cow yeah I'm gonna make it a little bigger here how do you can you see oh, that all right oh poor che- oh Chekhov looks so old no he doesn't he does Chekhov looks old man he's hunched over Sulu looks younger no, yes. they look great. They look great. Do you see? Uh, there's a Malcolm from Enterprise. Mal- oh, he's yes. It's and and, and uh, Asian guy from Voyager behind him. What's his name? Harry Kim. He played the right. actor who played Harry Kim. I can't remember their names. I feel so bad. And Terry Farrell, who played Dax, is over there next to Adam Nimoy on the right side of the picture. Oh and my gosh! And they, is that the other Dax? Yes, they were both there. Next both Daxes were there, and you wow. can see Armin Armin Shimmerman there. Uh, Quark. Yes, that's yep. right. Yep. Who is? Uh, oh, is is that Nog? 
not Nog, uh, Rom, Rom next to Armin, is, right up there. That's Rom. That's correct. Who's the yep. older? Who's the older woman all the way to the back with the reddish hair? Short. I'm not hair. sure. We'll have to. Sorry, everyone. That's the failing of Starfleet Boy. And we it looks like <laughs> she's talking to. Ro- it looks like Robert De Niro all the way back there. I, don't, I know it's not Robert De Niro, but looks like him. Yeah. And is that Buzz Aldrin? I think it might be. I think there was. <laughs> why is Buzz Aldrin there? Why would it? You know, why wouldn't Buzz Aldrin be there? <laughs> and it looked like Scotty was there. I know he's passed away, but it does look like oh, Scotty. Oh, it's his son who looks just no. like him. Can yes. we see that again? I need to see Hold that on. Again. I, no, I'm going to pull up oh a picture of him. God, he's on that's Scotty's he, son? Do you know he plays Scotty yes, on Star Trek? Yes, on that Continue? Star Trek. Yes, I know. And I'm like baffled at how like close yeah, they look. It's yeah. bizarre. Um, What's but he name? looks older there than he does on that Star Trek remake show. That's not Scotty's son. Chris Duhan is his name. It's, hold on. Does he oh, have yeah, older one's son? He might. I don't know. We don't know. That's I don't an know. older one, maybe. It might be. But, uh, I mean, it's astonishing wow. how, much, um, how much Chris Duhan looks like his father. Here, let me see if I can... I mean, we're not talking like... George Harrison and his son, but still. Well, yeah, Donnie Harrison. It's remarkable how much he looks like him. But there's a uh, there's yeah. Chris Duhan. Yeah. Here, let's present yeah. that. And he tries yeah, to and he tries that accent. He tries his best. Yeah, he's really good at. It. That's in Florida. Those sets, you know. I think they shoot that in Florida. I don't. I think I remember you saying that before, and I think I remember researching it. Now I can't remember where it is, but it might be somewhere else, like Georgia or Alabama. Here, let's let's just let the Google. Where is Star Trek continues filmed? Here we go. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Here we go. About us, Star Trek continues. Let's see here. And it is filmed. Let's see here. Which, by the way, have you seen this show, Star Trek? Continues? Yeah, I saw. I saw the episode with Sulu. We should do. <laughs> We should do a Starfleet boy on those. I, uh, I'm totally down. I'm to totally do, down or, for it. I saw the really one with idea. Sulu, which actually I would love to do, and I saw the one with Colin Baker, which I only saw it because it was. Wait Colin a second, Baker. Colin Baker. Colin is Baker on? did one, yes, <gasps> but he doesn't play a large role. Yeah, I know, I know. He Whoa. did Supercon. That's how I know it's in Florida because it was it was a quick thing for him. He was in Florida. He did Supercon. Then he did he j- had just done that. If it's not in Florida, then you're right. It's in Georgia, but it's it, they're close. It's close by, but I'm pretty I sure it's Florida. I can't find where it's filmed. I'm but pretty sure it's Florida. It's like let's Tampa just, or, or something. yeah. Let's it's just North say Fl- let's just say Florida. Okay, thank you. Some Florida pride here, <laughs> right? So, consulting the uh, once again, Star Trek: The Next Generation companion. Um. It actually states something that that I remembered. I've always, I've I've never forgotten, and I'm sure you haven't forgotten. This was the episode that John Tesh played the Klingon. Oh, that's right. John Tesh. Let me bring Worf back. 
John Tesh was one of the Klingons with a pain stick. Oh, there goes Worf. Worf is actually uh, holding a pain stick in his hand. Let me, it looks like a weird, like a Nerf thing. Well, it is cheap plastic, you know. <laughs> By the way, the, the remastering of the pain stick effects was nice. Like, I thought the pulsating energy glow that kind of looked like it was his actual skin and muscles burning uh, <laughs> was, <laughs> was a nice touch. <laughs> I, um... There was something about the special about uh, uh, I thought the planet that they were flying over looked like crap. I thought in the remastering it, it didn't look that great. I can't remember a difference from what it looked like before to what you know the remastering. I do I do notice. Don't get me wrong, the Enterprise looks updated and and a bit cleaner, perhaps sharper, if you will, right. Um, and I do notice that it looked better in season one, so I'm looking forward to season three because you said it's that same, like they yeah, flip-flop between the companies. So, yeah. so I agree with you on that, that the remastering in season two is less superior. But to me, it's like, whatever. <laughs> it's, all, it's all much better than what it originally seemed like, or it just seems the same, the same or better. So I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, in, in, interesting fact, um Apparently, uh, there was a Klingon shortage during the shooting of this episode because they were shooting Star Trek V at the time of this episode. So there was a shortage of Klingon uh, costumes. Weird. That's crazy. Yes. So Star uh, Trek V was being filmed during this At the same time time as season two. That's so cool. I had no idea. Yeah, I know. I do well, remember. Um, this the problems with Star Trek Five. Actually, this 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 is a good way of remembering. What what is one of the main problems with Star Trek Five? It's this. Well, apart from the fact that uh, they pulled out a lot of the money for the special effects, but the uh, script, the script wasn't great, and this was the time of the writing stri- of the writer strike. Mm. So, um, you know, there was. It was issues and, in Hollywood. And wasn't this time. there, wasn't there a weird thing like the decks of the Enterprise A looked like the Enterprise suspiciously, D? Like like the Enterprise of the D. D. <laughs> the yes, D suspiciously, like the Enterprise D. Yes, suspiciously they did, indeed. <laughs> um, um. <clears throat> so, anyways, uh, according to this, well, they the book mentions that they mentioned the Tholians. Kyle Riker apparently right. was involved well, that's, with. Uh, that's what um, in the scene where Dr. Pulaski is talking about how the, the Tholians attacked uh, a base or something. And um, of all the people uh, there, he was the sole survivor and had to endure many, many um, months of excruciating pain to uh, to survive. And the implication was that his reason for living was uh, was uh, Jonathan Riker, his son. Um, but. But um, Commander Riker wouldn't let Dr. Pulaski uh, finish her thought. <laughs> William Riker. William Riker. Oh, what did I say? Jonathan. Whoops. That's, that's, the, that's the other Riker. <laughs> You're right. That's like, He's not here yet. <laughs> he's not here yet. Um, but, you know, one of... And I, again, I, it's, I guess it's open for debate whether or not this is a failure of the episode or if... I don't know. I didn't think it was a failure of the episode. But you gleam so much of the backstory 
from just throwaway lines like that. And, you know, when you first meet Kyle Riker, you're, you know, I mean, he's very gregarious. You know, everybody loves him. When he shows up on 10 Forward, you've got like a line of people like saying, hey, great to see you, you know. And yet Riker is, uh, is, is, is sitting at a table just, just like sulking, just like, ugh, I hate this guy. Why is he here? Why are, why do people love him? And, and the, um, the Tholian story, you know, adds some shading to, to that's the guy. So when you, when later on you hear about, I mean, obviously what happened to, you know, the, the, actually we don't know what happened to Riker's mom, right? No, I don't. Other than she died. She died when he was young. Um, you know, it's funny um, because in the pre- remember if you remember in the previous episode, he's making those uh, uh, those eggs, eggs, and and he actually mentions it was just me and my father. And it's interesting; it's kind of suspicious that the n- very next episode, uh, his father beams aboard the station. So yeah, well, foreshadowing <laughs> like, a lot of fore- a very blatant foreshadowing. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, and, you know, and we see a picture of him in Alaska in this one. And there's a, I, I wonder, you know, there, it's interesting why they've chosen Commander Riker to, to spend so much time on his backstory. And I love it. You know, don't get me wrong. And we I don't guess get a lot of it. We don't get a lot of Riker as the show like goes we, on. You know, I feel like we do. And then there's some yeah. things like, yeah, I think so. I mean, we find out he grew up in Alaska. We find out that in his this mother episode. died. In this episode. It, right. That's true. But I mean, that's what I'm saying is like we're we're focusing on Riker. And right. It in carries, this episode. <laughs> that's, what, that's my point. I guess they don't need to anymore. It's like you have a reference point uh, now. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's like, yeah, it's like you know, whenever you meet someone and you learn about their their history, you don't necessarily have to be reminded, you know, every 10 episodes of that. But I guess you're right in the t- in the sense of I don't remember clearly any any other or new revelations about Riker's past that come up. So in that regard, I would say that I agree with you completely that, yeah, this is about as much about Riker as we ever find out. Now, what do you think about his and this, this actually it, it almost becomes a joke on the show. Uh, the reoccurring dilemma that he keeps having, which is that they throw, you know, the command of a starship at his feet. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. Um, uh, now, the book ma- makes mention that he was offered one before. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, which I don't remember. I don't remember the episode, but I do. I mean, there's several times where Riker is like the show kind of. um Suggests or threatens that we're going to lose Riker. Um, so the the first time was, you know, I, the first time I can remember is like, um, it was, oh, God, what episode was that? Well, I anyways, remember. There, I can't remember either. We have but I know memories. it's several times, and, I, and what I like, this is, of course, you know, further on, but in Best of Both Worlds, one of the, 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 one of the, the themes I like best about those episodes is the fact that you, you, you get a character uh what's her name shelby who's kind of like the new riker and you know she's ready and hungry for command and she's kind of like you're you're an old fart like you're just (laughs) sitting very comfortably in the first officer's chair you lost your edge buddy so you know 
get out of my way. And and here you kind of see, you know, it is interesting. Like, why does he keep saying no? I think in Best of Both Worlds, you see, you you get a better understanding of his reasoning. But in this episode, it's it. I, I'm not sure if it's almost out of spite to his dad. I, I don't know. Why Why did I, he say well, no? Let me ask you. Why do you think he said no? So I, there's a couple of things. It's a really, you know, I think I've, I have thought about this a lot um, over the years because, you know, we're all kind of in this. It, it is kind of weird. Like, um, you know, Riker's dad in this episode says, well, you know, why wouldn't he take this uh, when he's having that conversation with Counselor Troy? He's like, I would think that danger is the real the reason alone enough reason enough alone for him to take the command. But then you have this other scene where Commander Riker comes to visit Captain Picard and, you know, he kind of is talking to him about the promotion and Picard just very frankly. And I was really surprised at the scene because I totally had forgotten about it. But he's just like, hey, listen, you know, the uh, quite frankly, the Ares is on a mission that's far away it's an insignificant ship that's what picard says about the aries but he said what does he say after wait but he says he says like i understand your reluctance to leave you're on in many ways you're on you know the the best ship in in starfleet like how can you get like i think for Riker, he truly does feel like he's found his place like he feels like the Enterprise is almost like if he serves the Enterprise, he, I don't think he cares that he's an old man when Captain Picard finally retires. He'll take over or he's just, you know, pleased his punch to just serve on the Enterprise. And I do think that, like, you know, later on, obviously, we know he takes the command of the Titan um, and leaves finally. Um, but it takes him a long time to get there because Captain Picard's not about to give up the ship. I think he's going to just like, you know. Uh, just die on board. <laughs> like, you know, like his intention after after seeing his future of, of what is that? This is one of the Titan books. I have yet to oh, read. Oh, very it. nice. How many? How many? Well, my point is uh, going back to your question, which is why do you think uh, Riker doesn't want to leave? I think he's just he's he's happy aboard the Enterprise, and I can understand that. Like it's like it's like becoming. Um, you know, let's say it's like becoming vice president of the United States of America. You're not the president, but you're pretty much uh, in a place where you're you're uh, integral in many important uh, decisions and and policies and things like that. And in many ways, you're the the first officer of the USS Enterprise, the flagship of the uh, Federation, with a long history. Every enterprise has had a great and significant impact on the history of Starfleet and the United Federation of Planets. And so I could, I could kind of, I can see it, you know, like I would be mm. content to be the first officer, you know, it's like, why doesn't Spock go off and captain a ship? It's not as overt as Riker, but I'm certain Spock was offered commands. You know, the only person who was ready to jump ship, in fact, on the original crew was Sulu. And it's understandable. It's understandable and it's great, but like everyone else stays, they're all captains by the end of <laughs> they're all captains in Star Trek 6. Every one of them are captains if I'm not mistaken. You know. And and but they they don't they don't want to be on any other ship. They want to be on the Enterprise. 
Um, so yeah. I would say it's the enterprise factor. The enterprise <laughs> factor, right? It's a, it's that's right. what what's at play here. Um, I thought the fact that they did the thing where they revealed that Pulaski knew uh, uh, Kyle Riker. I thought that was interesting because, um, you know, it, it's weaving a connection to one of the crew, you know. Uh, obviously, at this point, I think it was still assumed that Pulaski would continue being the chief medical officer on board the Enterprise and, you know, in the show. So uh, I thought it was an interesting choice, you know, for... Uh, many of her early episodes, her connections were with either somehow poking fun or at data, you know, because, oh, you're not really human. There was that whole thing going. That kind of dies down eventually. She kind of accepts him. Uh, there was a few little Picard moments. Um... Obviously, we'll see her and Worf later. I mean, this episode actually kind of opens that door. You know, her having a sort of a, a connection with Worf. And then her and Troy. It seems like from the very beginning, her and Troy have hit it off pretty well. Uh, obviously, from the first episode where Troy had that light baby or whatever. And, <laughs> and, 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 and it seemed like Troy was the person to sort of vouch for Pulaski in that first episode especially you know everybody was you know Picard was kind of like you know where the hell is this woman why hasn't she reported to me yet you remember and right, and right. Troy's confidence in Pulaski vouched for her on behalf of 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 you know sort of you know for for the crew and for us you know hey this person's the real deal she, you know she's cool and uh, I know there have been other situations where it seems like Pulaski and Troy are in tandem. And then now they're certainly linked in a very unique way because Pulaski's, you know, had a relationship with, with uh, Kyle Riker. And, of course, Troy has had a relationship with uh, Will Riker. So mm -hmm. they're sort of, you know, they have another thing to bond over there, you know. Right. So and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and they have actually a really nice scene uh, where they're kind of talking about just those those exact things right before uh, yeah mm -hmm. the the uh, Ambo Jitsu scene because they're both concerned about the those stupid alpha males <laughs> and those things that we do like we're gonna punch the the shit out of each other and yeah um, well, with everything that's going on in the news today I think it's interesting that in Star Trek there are some things that. It seems humanity still tolerates in the future, um, despite its antiquated and archaic sort of um, uh, way, like this whole like posturing and like you know uh, the Riker and his dad like duking it out and you know and mm -hmm. <laughs> this is interesting. You know, and I think I think that it is interesting. Like, what is Star Trek saying here? Is it, you know, and we remember this season is still very much a part of Gene Roddenberry's vision. Uh, at least he has a lot of influence in it. I know it's starting to wane um, as he gets, you know, older and, and kind of, uh, you know, disconnects from it. But but I think that it's the people producing the show are close enough to, to Gene Roddenberry. And 
you know, this is like an example, you know, like another thing is like, you know, uh, uh, Kyle Riker kind of does this kind of weird offhanded compliment to Deanna. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she looks offended, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, yeah. so I think it's interesting it's that a Trump like, moment. I would, yeah, I would do, you know, on a very like right you know, on a like, very uh, oh, like a light of course, scale. Of course, of course. <laughs> I don't think uh, Kyle Riker is going to be grabbing any you know any, stuff. Right, <laughs> right. We are PG thirteen. We have to okay. <laughs> <the show. laughs> but but you know, I would think that this kind of thing would have disappeared from humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like it's still there, and it, and and it's odd that it's uh, it's kind of tolerated uh, still. So it'll be interesting it, to see how Star Trek dis- uh, you know you know and this is exactly where you have to kind of take into account that Star Trek: The Next Generation is a product of its time, and while it was yes. presenting you know and while it was presenting advanced and and very progressive ideas, it was still it still had to hold true to. The 80s, the late 80s, which was um, still a time of, you know, um, a lot of uh, kind of barbaric by our standards even today. You know, like we're, you know, 20 years later, we realize, oh, yeah, like in the workplace, it's, you know, it's not cool to <laughs> to harass anyone, <laughs> you know. But um, but in the 80s, it was like just starting to if I if I recall correctly, the issue was just starting to come to a head. And I think uh, you have to take that into account. So I think it'll be interesting how Star Trek Discovery takes all of the um, contextual, uh, um, you know, information about the problems that plague society and that society is placing emphasis on today and how they're going to translate that into their show. It'll be very interesting, I think. Yeah, actually, it's it's very timely uh, because this episode certainly has a lot to say about the, the distinct male character, let's say, for lack of a better word. Not only in the Riker subplot, not only not only in the Riker plot, but in the Worf plot, because certainly the Klingons are, are if anything, uh, uh, a metaphorical you know, representation of, of, you know, the alpha male, you know, um, is and of course, you know, we have this very strange election right now. And, and I, I just listened to a, a really enlightening NPR, <clears throat> NPR podcast. And you had, uh, no, it wasn't NPR. I'm sorry. It was Washington Week with Gwen Eiffel, I believe. And, you know, you had female reporters who are, you know, in their 20s. No, not their 20s, their 30s. So they've been working, you know, in, in the field for about... 15 years or whatever and they're talking about how yeah there were things that you know this whole incident with with what's going on right now you know they've sort of thought back to you know moments where yeah there's been things said to them and and they're like yeah that wasn't appropriate but it was people put up you, you as a woman they put up with it because they just thought oh it's a man's world and uh, and it's not right you know, and uh, not to get too political, but the dismissal of it as locker room talk is 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 absurd. It's it's not locker room talk. It's I mean maybe for some people it is, but they're they're just filthy. Um, 
getting back to the episode now. Um, um, but I just want to, I want to, before we get back to the episode, I want to say I completely agree with you. It is, um, you know, I think it's, it, it is correct to try to eradicate this kind of behavior because, you know, um, Donald Trump is a product of his upbringing and, you know, the people that brought him up are a product of their upbringing. And, you know, it's a cycle. You're taught to, to mm-hmm. be that way. Like, you know, spending it, if you spend any time with children when they're very young before they've kind of established their personalities and before they've started emulating, you know, people, you see that there's no, there's no ill. None. Yeah. Not, you know, it's, there's nothing about a child that would suggest that they're going to, these things, these behaviors are all learned, you know? And I'm really, fortunate that the guidance that I had growing up, um, and I, I feel like, you know, society kind of, uh, is, uh, is, um, advocating this kind of, uh, you know, rearing. It was one where I was taught to be respectful of everyone, not just women, but all people, you know, just like to try to understand differences, to try to, you know, just like, to to be kind and you know and that's it's very simple upbringing you know what i mean and it doesn't take a lot to realize that you're being unkind or being mean it you can feel it you know what i mean like and so i i would just caution that when people say oh but this is you know this is how men talk no it's really not it's how men are taught to speak you know and that kind of teaching needs to stop and it's just very simple yeah, and I'll say one more thing, and then we'll back to the episode. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, you know, the whole locker room talk comment. Um, you know, when I first heard it, it it, it it's remind. I mean, I I mean, we we have. I mean, you. I guess, you know, you know how I talk. Sometimes, you know, I indulge in in what I call locker room talk, which is never that vulgar, of course. But I've heard worse, and um, when when I see talk like that of on that level, it's always it's always this this one guy and he's ever and a lot of others are uncomfortable. And I've seen the situation many times and I'm all, and I wouldn't uh, count myself among them as the people are kind of uncomfortable when they hear that kind of stuff. But that one guy needs everybody else to validate him mm-hmm. and how low and degenerate he is. So it's sort of like, come on, you know that's the way it is. Come on. So it's this this sort of like, come on, this this come on, be a man like me and and go down in the gutter. And and it, it's it's very uh, it's very important that that we not go down into the gutter. And I'm I'm happy that these conversations are being had out in the open. So mm-hmm. because it's as someone like me like myself growing up, something was very hard to. To you know, I mean, I, I didn't speak to a lot of people <laughs> because well, I didn't want to yeah. indulge in that kind of behavior right. and that kind of stuff. So I, that I mean, you are a wonderful witness to how I've I've really sheltered myself from the vast well, majority of humanity. Yeah, because, I would say uh, so. And one of those reasons is that. But going back to the episode, um, but I mean, you know, I'm the opposite uh, of in in terms of uh, growing up. I you know. I, 
I had a lot. Yeah, of, that's for sure. A lot of acquaintances and friends. Yes. And, you know, I had similar experiences in in um, middle school and high school where you know the guys were gathered around and you know having this kind of like very vulgar um, talk. And I actually. I was one of those people, I don't know what empowered me to do this, but I was always very vocal about how, like, disgusting that made me feel and, like, how wrong it was. And, you know, it it created, a lot of times it created, like, a shunning of me, but I endured it, you know. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I I think, like, one of the... (laughs) I've been there. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, oh, what are you, a faggot? Well, actually, I did turn out to be gay, but, you know, <laughs> that's beside no, the point. No, but I mean, like, the, right. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's yeah, like, you're that's not a guy kind of, if you're not. If you're not indulging in that kind of talk. And again, right. I think it's just like, you know, again, I don't know what empowered me to uh, endure that, but I can, I don't have any. The inner light. Um, <laughs> for perhaps <laughs> it was, it was Star Trek. It could have been Star it Trek. Star it could have been that my role models were so uh powerful in my in my life that you know it empowered me so i i do i do think that there's credit to be given to my parents and to my you know adult male role models and 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 female role models who are very uh vocal about how those things are wrong too and i think that's what all we can do for children is to like continue to emphasize how important it is mm-hmm. to be kind and and polite and and considerate you know and teach empathy like you know think about the other the other is mm-hmm. is is something that other people don't think about often they think about themselves so you know if you thought a little bit more about the other it might um it might help <laughs> but now we can which makes back. a great transition to uh wesley yes thinking about Worf and why is he so <laughs> Why is he such an asshole? Uh, this was this was a great episode because it reminded me that Wesley is a teenager, basically. It, you know, it was cool because, like, you you know, you, his concern was the the that was also very well written. Like how he's really concerned and he's like trying to like he's ta- you know he's at first he's talking to Worf about Commander Riker and his father and it's like really emotionally concerning for him and Worf you know like yells at him basically and then his concern moves to Worf and he starts talking to Jordy and Data about it. Jordy's hilarious, I, by the way. Lovar Burton yeah. is great in, in He's that great scene. in this episode, it's true. Yeah. I really like the way they handled him, too. They're like... Um, they uh, Wesley? Said, yeah, I think that was wonderful because they're like, well, Wesley, you have this concern. We're here to back you up and help you out, but you're the you're the guy that has to figure this out, you know? Because we're too think, busy. Well, not just too busy, but I think it's important that, yeah, like, you know, there comes a point where, like, you have to let young people start to try to solve their own problems or solve or, or you know solve conflict or or you know like discover something on their own and i think that you know that was an important and cool uh tone or note there um what did you think about the the characters that were gathered by wesley for the uh, uh day of ascension ritual it was uh, Jordy uh, O'Brien. Oh, by the way, O'Brien is like right. in this episode a lot. It was uh, Jordy O'Brien, uh, Pulaski, and uh, of course Data and and Wesley. Mm-hmm. I thought I it thought was it w- cool that they included O'Brien. Yeah, I do too. I'm curious why they didn't include the captain 
or Commander Riker in it, but um, it was it was nice nonetheless. And I thought it was great that um, Counselor Troy. There's this first kind of like glimpse at their relationship growing here when she's walking him to the holodeck. Um, <laughs> you're not a, you're not on team Worf. <laughs> I'm not amused by that comment. <laughs> team Worf, team team uh, team William, and team Worf. It's just like Edward and uh, and what's his face. Uh, what was that whole ha- that whole thing uh, happening yeah, with Twilight? I, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Anyways, uh, it is an interesting, interesting uh, thing about the group that's gathered there. I can see why Dr. Pulaski wanted to be there. I mean, you know, in case the the paint sticks were <laughs> oh, that's true. were set too strong or whatever. And I like the way um, when uh, <laughs> Wesley describes it, doesn't he describe it as a party for Worf? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so like I think he's kind of misleading uh, in that, but like. Uh, I like O'Brien's response. He's like, that should be interesting. I'll definitely be there. (laughs) (laughs) It it definitely wasn't like a traditional kind of party. That's for sure. You have Worf uh, on the ground at the end, suffering from massive uh, pain. And (laughs) he looks up at them and he's like, thank you. (laughs) And then you cried. Well, I got emotional. I was like, just, it was like super emotional. But the part that made me cry the most, of course, the part where I lost it, the tears kind of just started flowing. Of course, was uh, was what Commander Riker when uh, when they're fighting and like the, it, you know, and they're having the um, Ambo Jitsu match and it comes to a head and we find out that uh, Kyle Riker's been cheating all these years, like with this illegal move, mm-hmm. and then uh, they start you know kind of fighting and then he's like, you know, why are you here? And he's like, oh, I love you. And so I just I just lost you know kind of like lost my emotions there for a moment <laughs> my emotional <laughs> my emotional capacity was compromised at the moment i could not could here's not a question it. for you uh and and i mean i know i know realistically what the answer is but <laughs> in terms of the characters in terms of the mythology why do you think riker's father was not at the wedding do you think he's he's passed on or do you think the grudge continues no, I definitely think the, the the hatchet is buried, so to speak. Um, I'm going to say that, like, what I would like... I don't know what the official stance is. I'm I sure don't know either, actually. Yeah. But what I would like it to be is that, yeah, he passed on at some point. And, you know, there might be an episode, who knows, where... Um, I'm not looking at my watch, by the way, because of time. It tells me things, like, you have to stand up or whatever. And it's annoying because it taps taps my wrist. And so it's like I'm conditioned like Pavlov's dog to like look at my what watch. What? Uh, I don't even want to ask. It's it's like the future watch, you know. It's an Apple. It's an Apple watch. So my watch just tells me the time. I know. I know. I have to figure out how to. How, oh, I can. I think I can put it on Do Not Disturb. Hold on. Let me do that for. There we go. Now, now it will not. <laughs> now my watch won't bother us. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I'd like to believe that that um, Kyle Riker, Riker and William off screen spent more time together um, and really resolved their relationship. And, you know, you know, I think the reason for him not attending the wedding would be that he passed away. 
which okay. I think, unfortunately, the actor may have passed away before. Um, oh, okay. Let me let me just go look. I didn't I didn't want to look. I hate to find out that actors are dead. <laughs> but uh, here we go. We're gonna go back here to IMDb. Uh, no, he's still alive, so that's not the reason why. Yay, he's still alive. Yeah, that's really good to hear. He's 88 years old. Awesome. So, yeah. so it was We're a very mis- glad you're still alive. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, God, why do I have the worst memory in the world? It is uh, Mitchell Only Ryan. Next. Mitchell Ryan, we're happy yeah. you're alive. <laughs> Please join us on Starfleet <laughs> Boy. We extend an invitation to you. But now that's it. Now, now that we know the actor's still alive, it, it begs the question: Where was uh, Commander Riker's father at the wedding? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because obviously, uh, yeah, the one who gives the the ones that give away the. I mean, they were in Alaska, uh, and the one who gives away the bride. The uh, well, no, but that would have been. Yeah, it was Troy. Yeah, Anyways. You, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, well, there's you know what's weird? Was it, what's also weird is that Wesley's there. I thought he, like, trans-dimensionally... Well, we'll save that conversation for <laughs> a later episode. <laughs> yes. Said, yeah, that like... is an issue, indeed. <laughs> so the um, wedding of, the wedding's a little bizarre in a, in a lot is, of ways. It is. Um, quite. Indeed. Now, there is something else to consider um, because uh, that's Star Trek Nemesis, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that the crew of the Enterprise went back in time in Star Trek First Contact. And regardless of resetting the timeline to how it should be, there's always going to be minor changes that occur, as we know. Uh huh. So when they return to their correct time, it's actually a whole new timeline so there's an argument that can be made that wesley never traveled and that you know uh kyle Riker and and, uh, Riker and you would n- stand for that <laughs> no i don't know <laughs> thank you so don't ever the, mention that theory again there's the kelvin timeline and then there's the titan timeline <laughs> okay all right there's actually a c plot there's an a and a b the C plot, if we can call it that, subplot, is this thing with the Enterprise, and Jordy doesn't want to admit that uh, Data Data says, "Oh, it's just this," and and remember, and they're like, "Well, oh, yeah. but Starfleet wants to run all these tests," and then at the end, Data was right the whole time, right. and Jordy couldn't figure out why, and I they didn't make much out of this, but I just thought it was interesting. Uh, to see Jordy being very proprietary about the engines of the Enterprise because it's a very Scotty-like well, uh, reaction. It was a little odd, I thought, because the way I followed it, and, and maybe I, I missed something, but in the beginning, there the episode actually starts out with this like conference yeah. between between Picard. Picard, Jordy, Riker, and Data. And Data's like, mm, the ship will correct itself, you guys. Like, There's nothing to worry about. And Jordy's like really concerned. He's like, no, but it might not. What if I, you know, what if, what if there's actually something wrong? And Picard's like, well, guys, like this is not a big deal. We're going to the starbase anyways. Let's just let him look Check at it. it. Right. Check it out, you know. 
so that's so that's that. And then later, Jordy's like, "Well, what if I input made some incorrect inputs?" And you know, Data's still trying to assure him that like the ship would figure it out. You know, right. Um, and then he's in, you know, but in the beginning, Jordy seems to be all for letting the starbase check it out. But then but later, then he's, he's not. Then he's offended by it a little bit, and he's yeah. like trying to. He, well, I think what offended him is when the Starbase actually, the crew from the Starbase actually came aboard, they were rerunning all the tests that he had already run. And that is annoying. You know, he's like, hey, yeah, guys, done that. I, yeah. already did, I already did that. And like the and the and if I don't if I recall correctly, the the um, interaction in that scene, like the Starbase personnel just ignored Jordy. It was like very disrespectful, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think then that like kind of shook his confidence a little because he's like, oh, these starbase engineers think that I'm not capable or something like that. Um, so yeah, it was a weird thing, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> it was yeah, like cool, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool. a minor thing, but still, it, it you know it reminds us that Jordy is a uh, a new engineer. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. started off certainly as uh, helmsman. Right, and he now has, he's chief engineer. Yeah, he he becomes a chief engineer after several chief engineers uh, <laughs> fail completely. At, <laughs> completely. So, but um, you know, I think I saw a really cool photo of Lavar Lavar Burton and James Doohan, and you know, uh. there are these iconic positions in Star Trek that kind of, you know over and over kind of repeat themselves as like, you know, I, I love that. I love that Star Trek kind of reveres these like kind of positions, you know, you, you, of course you have these captains and they're like awesome and everything like that. But each of the engineers of the enterprise have also been very interesting that we've seen so far, you know, mm-hmm. and even it extends even, trip, it even yeah. Yeah. It extends it even further. Uh, you can go even further. And on DS nine, like, you know, O'Brien is the O'Brien. chief of, chief of operations and he's even like uh, you know there's just this like passion for machinery and like making sure you know, there's uh, each of these ca- Belana Torres too I know you don't like Voyager <laughs> but she's a great chief engineer I thought like from the scenes that I remember uh, of her we'll have to <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face right now um but you know, there's this like passion uh, for engineering, for for uh, making. They see the ship as a life form in a way, and you know that's something that I really love. And I think that that kind of passion is important. And while I've never met, um, I've never met an engineer like that, you know, because I've never met like an engineer on a ship, you know. But I imagine in the navy that there's a, a lot of people can relate to Scotty or Jordy um, or Chief O'Brien or Belana Torres um, who serve or as trip. chief at, or trip. Sorry. I give <laughs> or trip, um, you know, who, cause that's kind of like what it is, what it's like. You have to make sure the sh- the ship is basically protecting these people's lives. And so, yeah, it's a big responsibility. Yeah, no, I concur. Um, you, you mentioned do and and I just read this online. I have not confirmed it, but it's somewhat related. Uh, apparently, James, I read that James Doohan was one of the leading proponents to get Gates McFadden back to Next Generation after she left. Oh my! 
and uh, there, it's the the Irish connection. <laughs> That's really awesome. So I thought was interesting. I, have, I haven't confirmed that. I don't know. But I thought that that's interesting that that James Doohan and and Gates McFadden were somehow and and apparently they were they remained uh, they remained lifelong friends. But I don't know if that's true or not. I, I read that online. Not sure if that's internet lore or what. Um, it, sa- it sounds like something that I would love uh, to be true. So uh, yeah, you know, until yeah. until it's debunked, it's a really charming story. Um, the other day, this week, uh, we had on the internet. Apparently, it was Doctor Crusher Day, and that was kind of an exciting what? thing too. Yeah, it was Doctor Crusher Day. When was this? It was like a couple of days ago, and I saw on Twitter Gates McFadden was did a funny tweet about it. And ah, she was very lovely. Very gracious Lovely and woman. stuff like that. And not only that, just recently, I think it might have been at the New York, um, the New York comic uh, mm-hmm. Star Trek convention. Uh, they reunited uh, Dr. Crusher and Wesley Crusher. So uh, Will Wheaton and Gates McFadden reunited uh, as it, it was intentionally done that way and kind of marketed that way. And it was really cool. That's it seemed nice. like a really cool event. And then Will Wheaton was at this uh, Star Trek uh, destination in Birmingham, England, and he tweeted a really cool photo where he's sitting at the captain's bridge and he's doing a selfie. And he wrote something along the lines of, um, I'm here on the captain's chair on a show that inspired the device with which I'm taking this picture of myself, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's so yeah, true. It's really it, that it, connection. Yeah, yeah it was, it's, it's well, cool. it's so, uh, it's so, it's so very apparent, like many experts and people agree that Star Trek uh, technology wise has really mm-hmm. influenced the way technology, the, yeah, some of the technology these, that we have today. These are um, communicators. That's right. And there's a young man who, uh, uh, views our show and um, he has a, he has a, a Star Trek show it's called Trekker Prize and he was at yeah he was at the um, he was at the Star Trek destination and you can go to his YouTube and check out his video coverage of that and we hope to have uh, him on our show very soon uh, co-hosting with us and discussing Star Trek The Next Generation I watched I watched the episode where he covers spinoffs that never happened of Star Trek. Did you see that episode? Oh, no, I haven't seen that one yet. I'm pretty sure it was him. <laughs> it might have been, yes. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure it was him. And they mentioned that they were going to do a spinoff back in the original series, in the time of the original series. They were going to do, if I'm not mistaken, there were, there were uh, three spinoffs that were muted. Uh, one is, of course, the Gary Seven, um, which we all know, you know, the, uh, Robert Lansing with the cat and Assignment Earth, that episode. Oh, I think, yeah, you were going to, you had mentioned that in a previous episode of Starfleet. Yeah, Fire. that's common yeah. knowledge. That was a backdoor pilot. Uh, number two was a crazy idea, but apparently, I mean, you know, I guess he was being thorough, uh, but he mentioned that there was an idea for a Harry Mudd show which would have that. been absolutely crazy and <laughs> insane uh, but I did not know that there was an idea for a Star Trek medical show with hey. Dr. Mabenga which is the the other doctor that you see a couple of times wow and he would have been the linking character 
to that show and it would have been on a medical ship. That's so cool. And what does it sound like? It sounds like our idea that we came up with, which was Star Trek Pasteur. <laughs> with the lovely Gates McFadden, Gates McFadden. as Bever- <laughs> Captain Beverly Crusher. Yeah. Uh, one day we're going to have to devote a whole episode of Starfleet Boy. To, to Star Trek Pasteur. Star Trek and the Pasteur. Pa- on the next, we should <laughs> pledge, on the next Gates McFadden, no, next Be- Dr. Crusher Day, we'll have to have. I guess we have all of our sketches and our treatment and like yes, the I ideas. Uh, we'll have to just kind of compile them together and kind of pres- let's pitch the show. <laughs> Like we can Let's pitch, pitch the, the show, show now and see, yeah, and see what happens. And uh, you never know. I mean, Gates McFadden oh. might be interested. She may or may not be interested. I mean, like, I don't want to get into this whole issue with like Star Trek Axanar. I'm not interested in producing a show. But if someone out there loves the idea of Star Trek Pasteur, we already have so much work that we put into it that I think, no. I don't know, I'm going to speak for you here in a, for a moment, but I think we would be happy to be consultants. <laughs> consultants on... You on vouched <laughs> for me? <laughs> They're, Jim, they are dying. Let them die. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so we have a whole show that uh, Star Trek Pasteur that we came up with, and I know it's not, you know, I'm sure like Lots of other people thought of that idea, but we we have a lot of material to help anyone along who is interested. And if Gates McFadden wants to be a part of it, that would be amazing. And you know, let's uh, yeah, we're here to we're happy to consult. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should give a rating to this episode. Yeah, um, when I saw this episode, I really liked it the first time around I liked it even more now because I saw more of the nuances and I feel like I I uh, garnered a lot more and obviously as you know I admitted to to shedding tears during the episode I'm gonna give this one an eight wow you beat my rating <laughs> and I really liked this episode but uh, I, I have to I have to be honest I my initial rating is a seven yeah, I'm giving it a seven. Wow. All right. Really well, liked it. yeah, I mean, so, I think I think the the eight, uh, as you know, my ratings are, are very emotionally driven. And I think mm-hmm. I if I were if I were being logical and reasonable and comparing it to all the episodes of every season of Star Trek The Next Generation, obviously, I probably would be in the same ballpark as you. But right now, I feel like it's an eight. <laughs> eight it is. All right. Well, that was really wonderful. Um Thank you uh, to our wonderful audience uh, for joining us on another episode of Starfleet Boy. Uh, before we go, I guess, no, we'll talk about that on the next episode since we already know how that's going to turn out as far as, as as far as your love for the next episode. Um, but we all, we'll have we'll have some updates on the next episode for the audience as well. But anyways, thank you for joining us. Live long and prosper. And see you next time. All right.